0: Hello, I'm Jonah Dunch. I'm the Arts and Culture Editor at The Gateway, and this is the Arts and Culture segment of The Gateway Presents. I'm joined in the studio by Matthew Stepanik, a U of A English grad, freelance writer and editor, and the Emmonson Public Library's new writer in residence. Matthew, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, Matthew, why don't we start by talking about your new position? So, what was it that first interested you in getting the job as writer-in-residence at the EPL? And what was that experience like of applying and then finally hearing that you got the
1: job? Uh, yeah, so I think it was, uh, it's, it's it's a position that I knew that I've always wanted to take on with the library, um, writer-in-residence, um, have the opportunity, I guess, writers in residence uh, have the opportunity to um, work with a lot of emerging writers uh, in the city. And it's something that, like, I've always wanted to do in my career, particularly, like, when it comes to my work with uh, Glass Buffalo, which publishes students at the University of Alberta, that um, I think it's very important to. Um, you know, give an opportunity for people to get feedback at an early stage in their writing just to help them grow and develop. So um, I'd always had it in mind that, like, I hoped that one day I would get the position. And, you know, it's like a long interview process that sort of starts in, like, 2018, where you send in this, like, big application with, like, a cover letter, your ideas for programming that you'd like to do, um, you know, a sample of your writing, um, you know, CVs, like, all those sorts of big level jobs. And then you kind of Uh, go in on an interview with like four other librarians and they quiz you on how well you deal with like giving feedback and what you would do in a bunch of like difficult situations say you know if um, someone doesn't deal well with feedback um, if they have a particular like inappropriate story you know how do you kind of uh, talk to them through that Uh, and then I found out I think in October that I got the position and I, I barely believed it Uh, just because I was told that, like, it would take, like, two weeks to hear back from it. And I think uh, Kate Gibson at the library called me a week later, and she's just, like, calling to offer you the job. And I was, like, just silent for a couple of minutes. And she's, like, do you still want it? And I was, like, yes. I just – I'm just, like, in disbelief that uh, you picked me. So, um, yeah, and then I had to keep the news secret until, I think, um, the first week in November or something when they announced that – Myself and uh, Mary Pinkowski would be uh, taking over the the two roles that the Metro Writer-in-Residence puts on. And so uh, I'm about a month into the position. So now that you have the job, what do you plan to do in your tenure? That's an excellent question. Um, A lot of it kind of slowly gets figured out uh, as you're in it. Uh, Just because you kind of hit the ground running in January, where it's just like you set up your office hours and you hope that people are going to start emailing you to like set up appointments to meet with you because the main um job of the writer in residence is to um kind of provide feedback um to writers in edmonton either um you know at, at different stages in the writing process if they're just kind of like working on a draft um of of like poetry or fiction or nonfiction. Um, I've had you know some people set up appointments where they're just like I want to write a novel but I have no idea what I want to write about and so you know I can kind of just sit for an hour and chat with them about like things that you know might be of interest to other people to read from their their life or their own interests um, I've seen I've had like some people come in with a, um, not like a f- their full novel, but their novel's like almost completely finished. And they'll be like, can you read it all? And I'll be like, I, I would love to, but um, that would take me a lot more time than I have in a week to, you know, read like 60,000 words of a, uh, like a, a project in progress. And so usually how that would work is then like they can send me like 15 or 20 pages and I'll kind of like st- start reading it just to kind of get a sense of it. And then when they book an appointment, we can kind of talk more about, um, you know, where this is going and like why... Um, things that they're doing to set up the, the novel and how that can kind of um, progress with the project. Um, you know I can give them tips on how to like plot things or um, if they have a project that's completed uh, I can talk with them about um, magazines that they could send it off to, how to work with a publisher on that. so there's a lot of different stages from like my experience as a writer like having a, a published book and like and, and being a magazine editor and Um, you know publishing chapbooks and stuff that like I'm happy to share that with anyone who kind of wants to come and get um, that knowledge from me and so um, I'll also be um, curating some workshops and hopefully working with some other writers in the city to um, um, get some of their expertise shared Uh, so I've done one on uh, literary magazines and how to best submit your work to that so that you don't end up in the slush pile Um, and next month on February 17th I'll be teaching a workshop on pop culture and poetry, um, which is something that like most of my poetry is inspired by, you know, pop culture and things that are more, I guess, popular, which is the definition of pop culture. Uh, but I had done like a, a collection on RuPaul's Drag Race and I've like written poems about like my intense love of Scott Moyer. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of want to help other people be just as weird and strange as me and kind of see that, uh, poetry doesn't need to be like Anything traditional, or just you know, like you can take those weird feelings that you have and um, kind of find the poetic language in it. And um, I'll also be doing a, a, um, a zine workshop with um, the Zine Machine um, in Edmonton. Uh, Amy Lee will be coming in to kind of like help people uh, learn a little bit about zine culture and like why people produce zines, and then everyone will have an opportunity to um, make their own zine as well. And that one's on March 10th, and so. Um, yeah, I'm I'm open to suggestions from people if there's certain elements of like the publishing industry or like other things that they want to hear about or how to best um, uh, fix their writing. That um, yeah, like you know, it kind of builds out as it goes, and I want to make sure that I'm listening to what people want instead of just deciding like what I think people need to learn about.
0: How has your experience at the UFA informed your current career and brought you to the point that you're at?
1: I think so. I went to the U of A um, between 2008 and 2012. Um, I may have to fact check that later just because I feel like that seems too long ago because it's it's 2019 now, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I won't do the math on it. But uh, (laughs) yeah. And and during my time here, um, I earned an English honors degree um, and I felt like it was... um, My experience at the U of A was very influential in terms of like the the people that I met and still maintain um, contact with and just the things that I um, learned. I did take some creative writing courses while I was here. So I studied under like Tom Morton and Ruth Dyke-Federo. I think uh, Janice Williamson was also a major influence because um, it was in her Uh, non-fiction class that um, Glass Buffalo got started but yeah like I I had a lot of great experiences um, in my classes like Ruth was an amazing influence on me and my writing just because she was really open to any type of story you know she made her classrooms like very safe spaces for students to kind of share queer stories and feel comfortable like coming out about any aspects of their identity that like you know other profs weren't as encouraging about so I found like a lot of space to kind of write more gay and queer things in Ruth's class and um, yes that heavily influenced and she also had this like Um, list that she gave to her students um, at the end of every semester, like, you know, at some point during it, where it's just like, here's 50 queer books that you should consider reading. And uh, I kind of took it on over the summer, um, because I had never read any kind of queer literature. And so, um, you know, probably read like at least 10 or 12 books from that list and just experienced like uh, a whole different world of writing that I had never known, because like, you don't often see um, queer perspectives in media or like in, in average stories. That was big on um, influencing my writing.
0: Many young writers and artists, you know, their first impulse after graduating might be to go to Montreal or go to Toronto or even the States or the UK. And yet you've chosen to stay in Edmonton, keep working on Glass Buffalo, which is connected to your alma mater, and help grow the literary scene here. So what has drawn you to stay in Edmonton?
1: Um, I think part of the reason is that I came from Medicine Hat originally so i already grew up in a smaller city with about like sixty thousand people and so moving to edmonton um i already felt it was really rich with arts and culture that i had never experienced before in my life just like the theater scene here is amazing and like uh the fringe festival is my favorite time of year um so i felt like there was enough here and enough opportunities to um make me want to stay and, and grow something here Um, and I kind of, I think everything sort of happened at the right moment that like I, I graduated university and I knew that like, you know, I couldn't go move back with my parents in medicine hat and like find a communications job for like, uh, I don't know, I'd I'd probably be running social media for like a hair salon or something. I don't I don't know what that life would have been like. So I knew that there was more um, opportunities for work in Edmonton comparatively. And but yeah, I was already um, living in Edmonton and like didn't want to move. Yeah. So a lot of things kind of like lined up at the same time that like when I was um, thinking about starting Glass Buffalo, um, make something Edmonton um, was happening in the city. And so it just kind of felt Um, that those two things sort of lined up where it was just like we were acknowledging that there was this spirit in Edmonton to let people do their projects and let them accomplish things Um, and I found like um, two like in Edmonton at the time I think we had just lost a a couple of um, literary magazines because I think other voices might have been gone just the year before uh, Glass Buffalo started. Um, There was two literary magazines at the U of A like that closed just before I started in 2008. So like there was just, there was room for a magazine and some sort of um, literary, more literary things to happen in Edmonton at that time. And I think the um, literary community was just so incredibly welcoming uh, to it. Um, because like, yeah, I I had so many writers like reach out to me. They would come to our launches when we wanted to like have readers come out and share it. So like the fact that like there was a willing audience for the magazine right away was just kind of like, well, this seems to people want it and they're willing to support it. So that was, um, one of the reasons that like encouraged me to continue doing it. Um, and I was fortunate that like, you know, I had an internship with, uh, localize, um, where I was just kind of working communications over the summer. Um, And then I spent a little bit of time being unemployed and wondering what I would do with my life, and I fortunately got hired on as an editorial assistant, which just means that I copyedited and proofread for June Warren Nichols Energy Group, which was an oil and gas magazine publisher, Um, and they now rest in peace, unfortunately. it's sad. I don't want to talk about all the magazines that have disappeared. I keep that, I feel like that's like as we talk about things that are still going and living on, like it's also like, and then this died along the way, but there's so many new things going up. Like I can just shout out right now that like Funicular Magazine, um, they'll be publishing their first issue soon. Um, and that's a new uh, literary magazine in Edmonton. Um, and I actually think like 18 Bridges 2, um, another incredible like long form journalism magazine in uh, Edmonton. Um, that also publishes poetry and, and fiction because I'm the poetry editor for it. So I should mention that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, those all kind of got started up at the same time. So there's always something to replace things that um, end up going away um, because there's that willingness for it. And um, yeah, so I've just kind of been very fortunate with like sort of the opportunities that uh, I've been given to kind of find uh, editorial and writing work. Cause I think I was with June Warren for like a year and a half before Um, I was hired on at Tanner Young uh, Publishing as their assistant editor, Um, and Rob Tanner was just, uh, as the publisher there, was uh, incredibly supportive and, like, took a big chance on me just because, like, I didn't have a lot of writing experience. I was just a person who had been running a literary magazine for two years. So, um, yeah, I think Edmonton's, like, kind of a space where people are willing to take risks on things that they think are cool and give people a chance, because, like... Um, your values and missions align.
0: Where do you see things headed when it comes to Edmonton's literary scene and when it comes to the Canadian literary scene?
1: Yeah, like in terms of the the publishing and literary scene in in Canada um, I think I've noticed a lot of um, new voices and eager people willing to kind of uh, change um, kind of the status quo in Canadian publishing I think for a very long time, like, Canlet has been traditionally very white, um, very winter, um, very farm and, and, and rural, you know. Um, I still I still love a great story where, like, you know, the crops not growing also symbolizes the dying marriage of this couple. Um, but I think um, there's been a lot of work by some, like, incredible people across the, the country to diversify that landscape. Um, I see it particularly in really cool things um, coming out of, like, Montreal with um, Metatron Press. Um, Ashley does a really cool job of, you know, just curating voices that I don't think um, large publishing houses would take the same risks on because they want to see, you know, like, that you've published a lot in a bunch of different literary magazines. Um, They want to see, like... Um, you know that you have a, a large audience or following, or that your no, your novel's like really sellable because it follows that traditional model of um, here's a class struggle or something like that. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's 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 particularly like the work that you know I've been trying to like also do with Glass Buffalo is that you know you find those marginalized voices and you take the the risk on people that like wouldn't um, have that opportunity to publish anywhere else and. Um, You know, I've I've seen it, too, in uh, Rahila's Ghost out of Vancouver, run by um, Mallory Tater and uh, Curtis LeBlanc. Um, They're publishing some really cool chapbooks um, from first-time poets and a couple of, like, established ones, too. Um, But, yeah, like, I just... There's a lot of really important conversations happening right now that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a part of as much as I can. But like, you know, just to sort of I think I, I do more of a job of listening um, to what I'm hearing other people want and kind of responding to that feedback and making sure that my own publishing program um, follows that so that we're making sure that to pay the proper respect to a lot of the voices that have been passed up before. Indigenous peoples, um, black people, you know, queer people, which I identify as. Um, and making sure that there's there's more room in publishing for more voices. I think um, the younger generations of writers um, that are um, working in CanLit right now are doing a lot of great work in improving the system, and I wish I could drop every single name that popped into my head right now. But uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of, of hope um, that kind of people see the flaws in the system And I think Canlet's kind of like one of those first places that um, will start um, fixing um, a lot of the errors of the past generation.
0: You know, let's say you had to pitch uh, a literary magazine or kind of the whole literary world, let's say, to someone who has never picked up a magazine before, except maybe people at Safeway, Um, you know, doesn't have any prior uh, knowledge or interest in this. Um, How would you convince them to pick up and start turning those pages?
1: You know, if I could answer this question, maybe Glass Buffalo would have more subscribers. Um, but that's a that's a really excellent question. I think um, I feel like I've grown a lot as a person by um, listening to other people and reading other stories and narratives that um, don't fit inside of my world. And I know that like a lot of people are like, uh, but like we're moving away from this idea that, like, um, uh, writing and reading can lead to a more empathetic person. Um, but I still kind of believe that that's very true um, that i I read, and I think other people should read to practice empathy and understanding in other stories. because um, I think, especially the way that, you know, we, we see politics moving in Canada and across the world. Um, close-mindedness can, you know, lead to a lot of hate and anger, um, to form in people. And so I think, like, when you open yourself up to the experiences that you can have reading a literary magazine with diverse voices, um, and perspectives that you maybe would not encounter in your daily life, um, I think that gives you the opportunity to, um, understand the world in a different way than you, um, maybe originally believed, and I think um, it's important to um, change and open minds in that way. So I think um, the things that I like to read and I like to publish are stuff that's, um, you know, going to force me to question um, my beliefs and, you know, um, realize that maybe there are better ways of thinking, there's better ways of treating people, and I think there's just better ways of um, being more empathetic.
0: Uh, Well, Matthew, thank you for joining us in the studio today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully everyone enjoys listening to my voice.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. You've been listening to the Arts and Culture segment of The Gateway Presents. I'm Jonah Dunch, the Arts and Culture Editor at The Gateway. And this has been Matthew Stepanek.